what's good y'all it's your boy jeff aka fogey with another hot and spicy episode of everyone turns up during rush hour this week's guest is annika they are a comedian they are a streamer and most importantly they are a friend and a homie and we have a good time talking about video games comedy and all kinds of just fun rambunctious stuff and a little bit of game design thrown in there as well so without further ado i'll let us do the talking in the podcast. This is me and Annika hanging out. Here we are. We're back with another fresh episode of Everyone Turns Left During Rush Hour. A really long name for a podcast that I probably should not have had be a bit long, but hey, it, it sticks out. But anyway, this week's guest, I have Annika. That, like, that's <laughs> it. I was like, there's a last name, but they don't want their last name out there. So yeah, Annika it is. <laughs> There's so few Annikas in the world. There are, there are. Fewer that spell it my way, so they'll Hog, be able to find me. Hog Mild on Twitter, if I'm not, if I'm correct, right? That's true. It is, it is Hog Mild. I needed a um, generic name, and it was during the hog phase of like 30 to 50 or whatever, feral hog. So oh. I was like, that's a funny word. Let's make that shit happen. Yeah, that, uh, I remember that trailer and being like, that's such a dad movie, and I'm so glad I'm not at that level in life yet. Granted, just... at that time, <laughs> I was like 23 or something like that, so it's, now I'm closer to 30, so it's like, maybe I need to embrace the dad life a little bit, you know? Just get ready. <laughs> get me a nice Harley Davidson, some nice leather chaps, and some... Just be a nice Midwestern dad, you know? <laughs> exactly. Like, that's the fucking life. I'll get really into grilling. I think that's gonna be my new post-quarantine identity is you, just you joke just gonna, <laughs> but that is the path be like hey you got a good char on that and i'll just keep saying that in the wrong context until i finally figure out when to use it in the right context yo nice flip dog what i i, I just rolled some corn over what are you talking about <laughs> what is that mesquite i'm saying to like someone buying corn dogs at 7-eleven what are you talking about Got a good char on that. Is that mesquite? What are you saying? She's having a stroke. Someone call. Someone call nine one one. Like, yeah, we need you to leave now. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but no, like a lot of my friends from my old job, they all hit a certain age, late twenties, mid thirties, and just they all bought grills and got really into grilling, and they got pizza stones. They got really into making pizza as well. So. That's a that's a real phase in life that I'm I'm going to have to accept at some point in time. Maybe I you do too. That. Maybe you have to accept it as well. I would love I'd love to get, I'd love to have a dad phase. I don't think I'll ever be as into cooking as dads have to be con, like mm. contractually, but um I'm so excited to hit my dad phase. I don't know what else dads are really into. Um uh washing cars uh lawn care really in a lawn care and like uh landscaping and whatnot oh that's um, so much better my dad was just really into like ayahuasca and survivalism so i don't have like a super good <laughs> litmus for what dads are like and when i think of dad life i'm just like i don't know if i want to follow the band fish around for a couple of years Ooh. so <laughs> i gotta find a new dad north star you know what i mean <laughs> Since we're talking about fish, there's a fish-themed restaurant here where I live at, so, hey. Uh, I hate that. <laughs> uh, you know, I'll say this. Their food, pretty good. The theme, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't have the right to shit on jam bands, because, like, 
I love electronic music and I am not joking when I say that I've accidentally listened to the same electronic song on repeat for like six hours and didn't even notice it was the same song. So like, <laughs> it's not me being like, I'm holy, holier than thou, you know, yeah. I just, it's just the vibe around them. I'm like, okay, we get it. It's a three day long guitar solo. I have better things to do. <laughs> God. Well, I, anything else you want to tell the people who you are? You know, plug everything. <laughs> we got it. We got a good glimpse right now. <laughs> also, since also favorite and or most interesting concert you've been to. Oh, what a intro question. segue to that. Yeah. Favorites and or, I was thinking about this, and that's such a hard question to answer, but I think, oh, this is so embarrassing, but the most, like, memorable concert that I went to, and it's hard, because I love going to concerts and doing, like, a borderline unethical amount of drugs. Um <laughs> Very rarely. I remember like the vibes of, I really am my father's daughter. I remember like the vibes of concerts, but I very rarely remember them. Um, I just like I how did... you preface a uh, borderline unethical amount of drugs. Like that, just like, there's a line. There's a, what? Okay. I'm in, I'm into it. <laughs> let's not, let's not pretend like any amount of drug use is unethical. Like that's not. And some drug use is ethical. Come on, yeah, 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 yeah. you gotta get get it, joy when you can. It's but, just uh, it's just a funny phrase when you think about it, right? <laughs> okay, like um, I think my the one that was really memorable to me is like I said, I'm into electronic music, but I wasn't always. I grew up listening to like punk music, and I remember like um, sneaking off to go see Dead Mouse when I was like, oh wow, or something, and I didn't want my friends to know because everyone was all into bands named like Leftover Crack and shit, and like <laughs> it was like at an outdoor concert, and it started like torrentially downpouring. So Damn, all, like, like dislike, and I I'm fine with Dead Mouse. Like I don't know if it's cool to dislike him now. I still think he's great. Um, and I'm just like listening to this electronic music, and it's my first concert I went to with like visuals you know where they had like the big screens up playing like the cool visual shit and in like the torrential downpour mud everywhere and it was just like my own personal millennial woodstock and that's <laughs> just the one that like i've probably been to better concerts since then but like that was the one where i was like oh fuck this is really cool you know so yeah yeah you know you got to sneak out get rained on and see dead mouse perform live it was very good sounds like a good time um that was that. I don't know why I put that question on there. Just like, what's a what's an easier icebreaker you can ask some people that like are quote unquote nervous? Granted, you stream, so you're not really nervous to talk in front of people or strangers. And like, we've had conversations via Twitter and stuff in yeah. chat, so it is. What it is. <laughs> but I'm, I was like, I do like hearing like people's experiences with concerts because for me, my like the moments I remember all depend on like. Well, what state of mind was I in when I went to this event? Like, cause like I've been to some concerts where I really wanted to go. And then I got there and I'm like, damn, these people suck. I don't want to see them live ever again. Yeah. Future Mumford and Sons trash live. Never again. <laughs> ever. I just saw a Twitter thread about like, what's the worst concert you ever went to? And the worst one was definitely um, at Lollapalooza. I saw. <laughs> brand new like oh, the band brand new no. I don't know yeah 
which is whatever. Like I liked them at the time, but Jesse Lacey, who's the lead singer um, and a total little bitch, stormed yep. off stage like halfway through because he was mad because he's like, you people are just here to see Radiohead because Radiohead was playing on that stage later. Even worse. And, uh, he was <laughs> totally right. Like he was right, but that's not the professional thing to do. So that one stands out because it was so fucking funny. <laughs> that that little temper tantrum, like how how mad do you have to be to like, look at the crowd while you're supposed to be performing? But like, you know what? I want to tell these people how I feel. Fuck God, them and fuck Radiohead. Whoa, buddy. We just paid 200 plus dollars to come here, entertain me, or shut the fuck up. And he God. chose to shut the fuck up. Like, <laughs> I just feel bad because, like, looking at the looks, like, looking at the faces of his bandmates, just looking like both, like, <laughs> what the fuck was that? And also, like, oh, no, not again. I was like, I feel very bad for these people. They, they already knew that that was an expected behavior, and they were just mentally prepared for it to happen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, bad i think my worst experience for me was future uh yeah acl for for multiple reasons one he had an hour-long block and his block was gonna like segue into tame impala but they're on the other side of the park right have you been uh-huh. to zilker have you been to zilker at all um no i have not okay so the, there's like different stages set up and so it's like five six different stages and whatnot and so i was gonna go see run the jewels Catch Future for a little bit, then go see Tame Impala. Go to see, go to see uh, Future. He's thirty minute late, thirty minutes late to his one hour set. He doesn't finish a single song. He didn't rap over anything. He just spoke as his track played. I was like, I'm missing Tame Impala for this. I wish I could get my refund back for this uh, hour time that I missed out on. Ah, uh, that sucks. That's always such a bummer. Where you're like, I know you don't want to be here, and I get it. Like. I get sometimes performing can super, super fucking feel like a chore, but you just turn your brain off and you do it. Yeah. You know, I've definitely had positions I've been in where I'm just like, I don't want to be here at all. It's like, you just check out and get through it. It's like, well, um, let's, let's give a half-assed performance and see what happens. Like, let's yeah. go. You know, we get good enough at it though. People can't tell you're half-assing it until you tell them. That's the, that's the best part. <laughs> and since we're here, how did you get your career choice? You do you do stand up, you stream, you do some other stuff for a company that you know I, I, you're not there anymore, right? Like you moved on. No, oh, oh, that's a that's a hard question to answer. But yes, I am I am still working in esports um, with a very large live streaming um, platform. Shout and... out Facebook Gaming. <laughs> we will bring Mixer back. I swear <laughs> to God. Um, <laughs> no that's that those are all very good questions that i will take in um bits and pieces so i started stand up like seven seven years ago ago or so um and i started stand up for the same reason that most people do because i wanted to impress people um there was just a guy that i thought was hot who did stand up Uh. and he was like you should do stand up you're funny and i was like okay um (laughs) which to be fair like i'd been i that that sounds unfair like i've been wanting to do stand-up yeah, for a long yeah. time, but everyone has that one thing that like pushes you into action um and that was that thing and now he lives in la and he's very funny um never hooked up weirdly but that was what got me to start stand-up and i do like it a lot and i miss it a lot i don't know if i'll ever go back to it just because mm-hmm. like i don't uh, or if i do go back to it it'll be in many years because i know so many people after 
COVID are going to be like, oh my God, I can finally go try stand up for the first time. So I'm just going to kind of let, you know. Let everybody you know, like me fail and uh, come out of the ashes like a phoenix. Like, <laughs> I'm back. It's just, uh, you know how like if a city floods, all the dead bodies in the cemetery can kind of come unstuck and float down the street. I'm just yep. waiting for those to get out of the way before I get <laughs> You're waiting back. for my body to come floating down the street like, mm, he tried. All right, waiting next question. Floated, <laughs> waterlogged corpses to make their way into the sea before I... Um, no, I, I'm always more or less pro anyone that's not a cis white dude starting stand up. Um, if you're a cis white dude, I think we're we're full up. You know, we're good. We, we're good. We we, uh, we saw uh, what's his name? Um, is it, is it Bill Burr, the one that's like wild? The Brit, the the not British Boston dude. That's like yeah, he's wild and out. Yeah, we we need to figure out what's gonna happen with him because their moments were like, oh cool, he's down with the cause. I'm like. Oh, Bill, shut up. Be quiet. Like, stop it. This is not what we wanted. <laughs> yeah, I don't I mean, I don't know. He's a he's a really interesting one. I think I don't fucking know. And anything I say, there's gonna be someone who's listening who's like, actually that's not right. So whatever, but he's undeniably extremely good at writing jokes. Like he has he is. very, very good writing. He has very good delivery. I don't necessarily agree with everything that he's ever said, but there's never going to be anyone that I agree with everything that they say. So I don't, I don't have an opinion that that's one reason why I try, try to, I don't know, like, I, I don't know how much more into standup I'm going to get when it comes back. Just cause yeah. like, it's, it's a lot of just garbage and people telling you that you're wrong about what you think or you don't, I don't know. So I'm just like, I just want to tell me little jokes and then <laughs> I go home. I want to watch my little friends do their little skits and then I'll just get my little money and I'll leave. So, Oh, gosh. I, <laughs> I, that was not expecting that part. That, 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 you know, this is what we saw. This is what the people came here for. So, yeah, I, I've been like, like I'm yeah. not like in the stand up world in my area, but my my girlfriend is, and so oh, just, yeah. so like hearing stuff like through her and whatnot, I'm like, a lot of these fuckers are just kind of like at, like going through it and just they need help. They need to go to counseling. Like some of you guys just like go way too far with your jokes or what you think is funny because it's not. Like you said, the cis white dude's like, please don't do it. It's not funny. We're not gonna laugh about it. Don't don't do it. Just don't. Yeah, it's I. I don't know. There's a lot of different philosophies for how to approach stand up and shit, and I just have talked to so many people about so many different ones, um, and it's just exhausting. But I I I if I could never go to an open mic again, um, <laughs> I would be extremely happy. And it's not that's not to say that there's not good stuff happening at open mics. Cause there's a lot of really amazing people starting stand up and like, it, you get some stinkers out there. Yeah. And it's hard because like when people sit here, like we are and being like, ugh, like people trying new things at mics, that's bad. Um, I, I don't want it to seem like anyone who's listening to this, who wanted to start stand up shouldn't start it um because obviously i think you know at least obvious to us we're talking about people that are like 
I'm the person who can make this, you know, <laughs> work. And you're like, you are not. No one can. Um, it's like, but no. I also think like you should feel like you can fail at an open mic. Um, you can try stuff that doesn't work. But again, saying that sounds like such a slippery slope. I was just talking to a friend of mine the other day about how fun it is to bomb. Like, you <laughs> do not know. You start stand up and you're so scared. You're like, I will not be able to live through a bomb. It's the scariest thing in the world. And then you do it and it's the most cathartic, freeing feeling where you're just like, not only did I live through that, but like, that's how you get better. It's yeah, yeah. You got to fail. You got you to gotta bump your head a little bit. Uh, I love a good bomb, just like dead. You give me a, like a one or two shows every couple of months where I am just getting silence. And I don't want like the pity laugh, like give me silence. And I'm just like, you know what? I feel alive. Like I just learned how relative time is because that lasted four hours and I'm, I'm better. I'm good. So. I recommend anyone who wants to try stand-up, number one, if you're like, I'm the one that's going to make this off-color joke work, you're not. Don't. Um, number two, please enjoy your first time bombing. It's very nice. <laughs> um, I was talking to my last guest, and I was like, you know, not everybody needs a podcast. And now I'm about to be like, you know what? Maybe everybody needs to at least try stand-up and bomb at least once, you know? Give it a I nice slice of humble pie right there. Yeah, it, but I mean, it's hard because like tr try stand up and succeed once and also fail once, which is um, it's much easier to control for the second thing than it is the first. But yeah. um, I don't know. It's just you learn how to accept failure in a very humbling way. And it's very it's good for you. I, I did have a recurring dream in college that my friend signed me up for an open mic and didn't tell me. And, like, I get there to go, like, see them perform or whatever. Because we used to have some spots that did that for, like, music, poetry, comedy, whatever. And, like, I kept having a recurring dream where they signed me up and I didn't know what to do. And I just, like, have a heart attack. Like, a legitimate heart attack in front of everybody. I'm like, this is how it goes. This is how my life ends. Like, someone's going to sneak sneakily sign me up for something that I don't want to do. <laughs> and then this game over. Like, uh, you're a braver soul than me. One day I'll yeah. give it a shot to see see what it's like. I want to do more improv though. I think I want to do improv because I want to do more directing and producing. So that'll be like, easier to like relate with actors and talent and whatnot. Yeah, That's I like, think I think everyone should do improv as well, and especially stand up comics should do improv because it makes you better at your your crowd work and comics that can't do. You don't need to do like full on completely improvised sets, but like have a little bit of um, comfort with talking to people. Although I've seen, I've worked with some comics who are very well known for doing like, quote unquote, totally improvised shows. Um, mm. or, but then in watching them work, I'm like, oh no, you don't like most, the majority of comedians that people like where they're like, oh my God, they do like complete crowd work, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, they usually have a set of questions. They're following a flow chart where yeah, they have yeah, a set yeah. of questions they know how to ask and they know the number, like the percentage likelihood that they're going to get 
XYZ response and they're going to respond accordingly, which makes it really interesting and makes it a lot less intimidating, in my opinion. Yeah, if this, then that. Kind of just like yeah. the formula. That's, that's, that's sick. We kind of touched on it briefly, but influences. Like, who, who, what, like, what, what are the influences for, for what you do? Um, let's see. So I... This is like not the answer that you're supposed to give, but I didn't really listen to stand up before I started doing stand up. So everyone that's like, oh my God, I really like George Carlin or oh, other names oh. of people I should remember who were stand up comics back in the day. Like, I don't, I don't fucking know. Like, cool, good for them. Um, I really like now, um, Kyle Kinane is, uh, is a huge favorite of mine. I think he's very good. Um, Rory Scovel is another one who does uh, a much weirder comedy, and I suggest everyone check him out. That being said, I did just name two cis white guys in a row. So like, <laughs> oh for two. <laughs> Jackie Cation is really good. She's she's been around for a very very long time, um, and she's from Wisconsin. So I like a I like some Midwestern representation. You're and also then, the second Wisconsin I've had in a row on the show, by the way. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Um, represent, I guess. We got out. Uh, we got re-educated. Um, another really good one is Aparna Nanchurla. I really like her a lot. So those are all ones that I wouldn't necessarily call them influence. I think uh, the one that's most influential is Kyle Kinane um, mm. because my stand-up, like ha- my stage presence has been compared to him before but not in like a oh i i'm just like him way but in like a um probably just because my voice is incredibly deep and i sound cynical about things all the time um but i think those are the ones that i would suggest people like definitely check out because i like him a lot word word anything else career-wise you want to share just just want to keep moving along up to you um, no, I think we can, we can probably move it along. Move it um, along. Well, Twitter is a, a subject that comes up often on the show because I love and hate Twitter because I treat Twitter as like, kind of like, I can just like word dump stuff yeah, and then just leave it and whatever happens, happens. Whereas some people are trying like really hard to be influenced on Twitter. I'm like, all right, do what you got to do, but that, that's on you. But you have had quite a few tweets go viral as of late. And um, yeah, what what's up with that? What are the keys to a viral tweet? Oh, you, no one knows the answer to that question. <laughs> like no one. Um, you had a tweet that was a math problem and Mean Girls go out. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> so I think when I was doing stand up more, I paid a lot more attention to um stuff like when you know like oh if i post a tweet at this time it's more likely to get views um just because like again as someone doing stand-up that was part of a brand and i think it's really easy for people to get cynical about social media um because caring about it is like dorky or whatever but um if you are a person who's trying to market yourself as like a creative individual you have to have stuff like that um a friend of mine who is the head writer for a late night tv show has said before that like if 
if you submit a packet, one of the first things they're going to do is look at your Twitter. So like it does pay to have a Twitter presence if that's something you care about. If it's not something you care about, don't fucking do it. You don't need to. But um, I don't. I don't know what it is that causes tweets to go viral and what doesn't. Um, I'm sure there are people out there <laughs> that do know. Um, and since I got most of my following during my brief for, foray into mean hot girl Twitter, <laughs> a lot of my tweets that tend to do better are the ones that are usually like kind of slutty. Um, but that's not really what I like to do anymore. I'm just, I, I don't know. Um, it, so it, I don't know the answer to that. It, All I want to do is just find people on Twitter who like to talk about from soft games and just talk about dark souls with them. It's funny because like, I will see the tweet before it blows up. I'm like, damn, that's good. And I'll like, I'll come back around and see that somebody I know has retweeted her favorite. I'm like, huh? 14 K. What? <laughs> <laughs> I always feel so betrayed when like a friend of mine has a tweet that I see when it's small and I'm like, that's a really good tweet. And then I see it later and it has like insane traction. And I'm like, motherfucker, you send me your tweets that do well so that I can appreciate them appropriately. Like I want my friends to be excited about stuff like that because you, you do get really jazzed on like, Oh, this thing has traction. Um, You think you do. And then people start, commenting on it and you're like no i don't i hate this get take it back <laughs> i'm deleting this i don't want to hear what any of you people want to say math twitter got so mad at me when i made a math that, joke that was so funny i was reading some of those comments and just like like they were going in and like the ones that you highlighted i was like oh my goodness they are really taking this way too far like it's a joke it's a joke people like just like relax it's and a it's funny not- educated joke it's about, I mean, yeah, so for people that don't know, it was just a tweet about the movie Mean Girls, and which if you have not seen that movie and you look at the cover of it, you see a bunch of like women who are like probably in their early 30s playing teenagers wearing like super skimpy outfits, and which on paper you're like, oh, that's not good for women, um, and some of ma- math Twitter latched onto that, but if you actually watch the movie, literally like the very strong B plot of it, maybe a, a B plot um, was like, Oh, you know what? You can be a girl and be hot and like math, which I'm like, that's a fucking rad message. So um, anyway, the, the summation to all that is <laughs> truly no one knows how to make <laughs> tweets go viral. And anyone that says they do is lying. Yeah. I remember in your stream, you guys were talking about retweet rooms one day, and I'm starting to notice when stuff is coming from a retweet room, because it's like the same rotation of people that I see, like, posting it, liking it, retweeting. I'm like, ah, you guys are all somewhere just, like, drafting these tweets up, trying to just get the ball rolling. I I see you guys putting in that work. I get it. I can't knock the hustle. It's, um... They're interesting. I have some friends that that spend a lot of time in them and it's just, they're not necessarily something for me because Mm. it's, and that's not in like a holier than thou way. Um, I just, I like to use DM rooms to kind of like either 
connect with old friends or like make new friends or whatever. Um, and, and drop rooms. I always felt like there was this, uh, either unspoken or in like strict drop rooms, actually spoken rule where it's like, you have to like and retweet everything. Um, oh. and that stressed me out. Cause there's going to be some stuff that like, I, I just don't really get into, um, like your tweet's not good. I don't want to like that. Yeah, and it's not even like I'm sitting there being like, this tweet is bad, or like, this isn't my brand. No, it's just like none of us tweet, no one's batting average is 100. So it's like, sometimes I'm just like, eh, I don't really want that. But it's just, you know, it's not that different than people like I used to do, where it's like, oh, if I, you know, tweet at this time on these days, uh, it'll, it'll do better. It's just sort of how some people choose to approach branding themselves and growing on Twitter. Um, and I cannot, cannot hold that against them. Yeah. It's, it, it is kind of funny that like Twitter is becoming more of a place for people to find work jobs in like key relationships than, you know, LinkedIn or you know, a networking event at this place and stuff like that. It's like, Oh yeah, they ask good tweets. I have them come to do this, and like, hey, they're working here now. I was like, what? Oh yeah, I got I got my current job just tweeting that I wanted a job. So <laughs> I was just like, I'm funny. Someone hire me, and someone was like, oh, do you want to work at this company? And I was like, okay, done, <laughs> done. Complete bullshit. But that's how the world works. Just pure, pure dumb accidents. But hey, you made it out the Midwest though. Like, how? How did you escape the Midwest? I'm trying to find the secret. So I'm stuck here. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, specifically, I moved out to Seattle after I graduated from college. But I don't think, especially like during COVID, it's really opened up. Um, I think one of the good things that'll have come out of like people being in quarantine is a realization that you can make really, really good content wherever you are. Um, and you should never feel limited by your location. And I hope, I hope that carries over to, uh, to once everyone's vaccinated and we are no longer in lockdown because being in the Midwest is, I don't know, there's some really cool cities there. And just cause I grew up in like small town, Wisconsin, uh, that's not necessarily <laughs> representational of what all of the Midwest is, but just a big uh, majority of it, you know, cornfields and <laughs> it is mostly that. But um, yeah, I don't know. I I think I think it's really easy for people to not start doing something because they kind of have that mentality of like, oh, I just have to make sure these conditionals are met before I can start. And yeah, oftentimes, yeah. that can be like location-based thing where you're like oh once you know i'm, I'm really gonna start getting into this once i move somewhere or whatever and it's like just you gotta start now like you just have to start so yeah um and if you're lucky you'll start you'll do something like sending a packet in and then they'll be like oh like do you want to come right for us and now you have a reason to move it's just really 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 difficult to move somewhere if you don't already have a reason to do so yeah i i like as much as I don't like Oklahoma, it's so cheap. And oh my god! Yeah. Every time I visit my friends in California, they're like, "Yeah, I'm paying this much for you know 
a bedroom in this really tiny apartment. Like, damn, you live like this? I got a whole two-bedroom to myself for less? Like, huh? And what's cool is that, like, I think we're really going to see that change a lot where all of the, like, when everyone sort of fled to the, the coasts out of the Midwest or whatever, that created so much, like, economic disparity in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think now we're going to see... <laughs> Basically, we're going to see reverse white flight where now everyone <laughs> who works in tech, which is, of course, predominantly, you know, not uh, the underrepresented groups of um, black indigenous people of color. They're all going to be fleeing back to the center of the country, which I think will have a, a long term good effect because that means there's going to be more economic prosperity coming out of people that have really high paying jobs who are now living in more rural places again. Um, But that has the added benefit of now, I mean, already San Francisco has seen rent prices go down. So hopefully by getting like bougie techies out of the cities, the cities can once again become like actually cool places. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think we're going to end up seeing cities kind of go into a a shittier decline where like the infrastructure won't be there to support the people that do still live there. But um, that I don't don't know anything about this shit. So that's just me throwing stuff out there. That's kind of what's happening in Austin. Well, it's been for the last few years because um, I know Apple opened up their campus and I think they're doubling down their investment. Tesla's uh, building a, another gigafactory in the Austin area. And so a lot of people have been moving from California to te- Austin, but there are no houses in Austin. If you're a single person, you're good. But if you're someone who's like, oh, I have me, my wife, my three kids, uh, two dogs. Yeah, we don't have a house for you, dog. You got to gotta go go find somewhere else or drive an hour into the city or, or drive an hour out and drive into work every day because... We, we can't support that right now. So I'm sure that there are people that are trying very, very hard to make it so they can support that, though, because it, yeah. it would behoove the city greatly to make sure those people are, like, within city limits, which means very cheap properties are going to get built, like, bought up, oh. built into, like, prohibitively expensive apartments, and the same thing that's going to happen in Austin is what already happened in Seattle and San Francisco. It, it's It's been happening. It's definitely been happening because I remember um, I have some family that live down there and I went to go visit them 2015 for ACL. They're talking about like, yeah, our like uh, house, our property, like for our house went up and like our taxes went up because the value of the land in that area is just shooting up. And they're in North Austin, about 15, 20 minutes away from downtown. So prime location, but it's like, yeah, things are starting to get more expensive and it's creeping on up and Every time I go down there, it's like two more dollars added to every meal I get. I'm like, whoa, whoa, where's this coming from? Where's this, where's this money coming from? I'm like, whoa, slow down. I'm just yep. <laughs> Oh, man. You're going to have so much fun as that slowly gets worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And like, it's happening back in my hometown in Texas, too, because not, not so much like tech jobs, but a lot of um, like people from New York and California are all moving to like North Dallas, North Fort Worth area. Just because it's so much cheaper to buy a house and build a house versus, oh, let's rent a townhome and have a fourth of the space. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. 
I just hope that they're they strike a balance because you know you start kicking people out of their houses and the culture starts changing. Not everybody's okay with that, and I'm one of those people that are not okay with that. So. Totally, and I, I'm very curious to see. I mean, you're going to have people who make a lot of money who are now putting money back into like smaller cities or mm. more inland cities, but you're also talking about people who might be working remotely. So the money that they're going to be putting back into cities is going to be more like incidental than like the actual work that we're doing. So I feel like we're going to see a lot of smaller cities that people might be moving to kind of shifting to more of a, it's almost like a tourism um, model where they're going to be doing a lot of like, there's going to be more of a booming business in like the, amenities world than there is in like the local lumber mill so i'm curious to see how that plays out but uh i'll probably not be paying attention to it at that point because (laughs) i have a very short attention span i will be very honest about that i i i I feel that but um to cap this one off uh in tulsa like an hour away from me they were doing a program where it's like hey we'll pay you money to come move to tulsa and live in this area like, I don't know, like Topeka, Kansas, they're giving people, I think, like $10,000 uh, to come live there for a year. No, Arkansas. Uh, Rogers, Arkansas, Northwest Arkansas, aka Walmart Land. They're like, hey, we'll give you 10 k to come move in this area and, you know, move oh, your business here and whatnot. Walmart, though. Yeah. It is I the got home. everything. It's the home. It's the home. Where else am I supposed to get my quintuple XL tie-dye shirts with, like, <laughs> uh... A wolf howling at a moon. And that's Classic. not meant to be like a comment on the BMIs of anyone that lives in the Midwest. It's just I was always very mad because for whatever reason, they truly only sold those extremely cool shirts <laughs> in like double XL or larger. And I have been to so many Walmarts looking for those and they are only in that size range. And I just do not understand. It's that. the style. You got to wear a baggy for some reason, because I'm... why wear form fitting and you know, like, no, I don't want a dress. <laughs> I want a shirt. <laughs> but, but do you, do you miss it? Do you miss the Midwest at all? Um, I miss, I miss nature. Like hmm. that's something that I miss a lot. I don't like California because it's a very dry state. Um, so do I miss the Midwest? I don't, hmm, you don't have to, you know, that's such a hard question to answer, you know, like, yeah, I don't necessarily miss it, but it's not me sitting here going, I'm so much better than it or whatever. I just, um, I think there are parts of the Midwest that are really good. And I think there's parts of small town life that felt very quiet and simple that I miss a lot. Um, but it's not, or that I appreciate a lot, but it's not something I want to like move back into anytime yeah. soon. Yeah. Well, moving right along then. Soulsborne games, from soft games of all genres. Like, why? Um, that's a really good question. So I always liked. I liked watching playthroughs of Dark Souls games um, for a very long time. And I just think they, I thought they were cool because I don't, I'm not someone who really likes plot driven stories and I fucking Mm. hate that 
cutscenes in video games. And I know that's my fault. Like, I'm, I'm not sitting here being like, video games with cutscenes are bad. I'm just a psychopath. So it's not that. <laughs> I would say I, psychopath, but okay. <laughs> I just don't like, I don't care about plot. Like, I just want to play yeah. the game. So the reason why I like from soft games is because they also don't really care about the plot. They're just mm. like, they're like, oh, you can find out all the plot you want by reading item descriptions. And I was like, cool, I can not read item descriptions. Or what I tend to do or what I did when I started playing these games is I just like read the wikis obsessively and find about out about it that way. Because like reading stuff is just easier for me than watching stuff. So um, I just started watching a lot of the playthroughs and I was like, wow, I hear these games are really hard. I want to play hard games. And then I started playing them. And the secret to Soulsborne games that no one who plays these games want you to know is that they're not that hard. Like they are, you can tank hits fairly easily. They are so much more forgiving than something like Hollow Knight, which I think is a lot harder. <laughs> the, the thing that people, the thing you have to remember about these games, and one of my mods said it really well, but like, um, Basically, it you know, like old school Mario games, you learned by dying, where you would get to X point in a new level and you'd fuck up and you'd die. And you'd be like, and then next time you get a little bit further and then you fuck up and die. And that's how you learn is you just like learn the patterns of the world. And mm. that's exactly what FromSoft games are. So they're not mm. hard. They're just similar to old games. Um, I mean, Sekiro is pretty fucking hard, but... People are right. It's just a rhythm game. And if you just learn how to play a rhythm game, you are going to do fine at it. So that was that was what I was trying to like describe Sekiro to somebody. I was like, Sekiro reminded me more of a rhythm game and like kind of like in a weird sense, Tekken. Like how, the, how like it a, flows and whatnot. Like the fighting yeah, game Tekken. Yeah. You know, because like you can't sit still. You have to always be moving and watching your surroundings and then. Oh, they're gonna go this. You gotta, you gotta pair at the right time so you can get your punch off and stuff like that. So yeah, and and I don't know. I having played Sekiro, going back to like regular FromSoft games are hard, but I I didn't want to play them for a long time, even though they looked cool because everyone's like, oh, they're hard, and I was always like, oh, I'm bad at video games because I think most women are sort of like, oh, I'm bad at video games because it's very ingrained in us to. Um, feel that way about our own skills in male dominated industries. Mm. But like, if those games seem cool to you, to, to anyone listening, like just play them. Yeah. They are really hard, but worst case scenario, you can, uh, you can summon friends to help you with it. That's why I like from soft games so much. All the, the dark souls games leading up to Sekiro was that for boss fights, you can just summon people. And I fucking hate boss fights. They always make <laughs> me really stressed out. Until I started Sekiro and I found out that game is, the gameplay is pretty much just sort of interludes between the 400 boss fights in it, which <laughs> ruined things for me. But um, I love cheesing bosses. It's like my, you know, there are speedrunners in the world and my version of like doing a speedrun or a challenge run is just figuring out a way to cheese enemies. Um, which is funny because people who like FromSoft games are all, absolute dickhead so people would be in my chat being like you're not playing this game right yeah don't cheese the boss go fight it and i'm just like mm. my the thing i would always say to piss these people off is i would be like a good shinobi uses any tool at hand 
to guarantee victory. Um, I love it. Yeah. And then I follow that up with going, including bad AI pathing. And people would get so pissed because they're like, no, like, that's not how you're supposed to play it. And I'm like, no, actually, a real, a real shinobi would of course they cheese shit like they oh. don't do direct combat so 100 percent playing this game the right way uh as a shinobi i'm trying to live sure <laughs> there's the sure there's the honor system but my number one priority is i'm trying to live i don't care about <laughs> to throw a rock in their eye i'm gonna i want to throw a rock in their eye i gotta do it yeah. i mean that's the whole thing is that it's like it's all about neutralizing enemies as quickly as possible and any way possible um I don't, I don't think the whole, like, you're not going to do, like, an honorable death or whatever these dumb, it's just, I don't know, people really love to gatekeep any from game, which is a bummer. It sucks when something you like has a fan base that you hate because you're like, come on, do better. And there's obviously a lot of people that like those games that are cool, but, like, streaming them is always a real hit or miss because you have people that show up and they're like, you're enjoying this wrong. And you're like, okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, cool. Thanks. There are sometimes I have had to watch with the chat. Because I'm like, yo, this guy is just like, this is the kind of person that just explains magic tricks to people and just ruins the fun. Like, oh, it's like, so fun. I and like, I, I like, I, I have on, on my Twitch channel, I have like backseating aloud because I, I don't, I like having help. Like it's something that going into like Sekiro battles, I would watch videos of the battles ahead of time. Um, just cause I find that stuff cool and I mm. find it interesting and I want to be prepared, which is what a Shinobi would do. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but then people like, and I, I didn't mind backseating, but there's a really obvious difference between being like, Hey, like I've found that doing this thing helps or like, Oh, that thing you're doing, I tried it and it didn't work for me. Um, versus being like, LOL, that's not going to work. Or like, LOL, do it this way. Or using like the fucking lull emote being like, what are you doing? And I'm just like, what I'm doing is having fun playing video games with my friends. Fuck off. Damn. So that's where I was always at. They gotta, they gotta, like, people just need to learn to, it's, it's not that serious, guys. Like, it's really not. I just, it's just games. It's just video games. People wanna, people wanna enjoy their experience, you know? All the ninjas out there being like, actually, if you don't get mad at games, uh, you're actually not a good gamer. It's like, Okay, Ninja, well, you're a uh-huh. piece of shit, so I'm not really going to listen to what you have to say on how people yep. are supposed to play video games. Yeah, that guy does suck. That guy does suck. I will say, when I get mad at games, it's typically because, in my opinion, and and most of the time when I am mad, it is actually like been other people have the same complaint, bad game design. Like we talked about like, before I yeah. we went live. It's like, this boss is inherently bad game design because of this. Or yeah. another example, Kingdom Hearts. Have you tried playing Kingdom Hearts recently at all? No, but I played I played one of them a long time mm. ago, and I actually had a bad game design issue with it, specifically in the Lion King level, because the like motion controls for that yep. were like really gooey and it made really it made it just like really unfun to play because of how they designed like that. 
character or like that particular world. So yeah. I think they have some game design issues. Why? What's the what's the issue you were going to talk about? Um, so that, that's one of it. Overall level design, some of them are like pretty straightforward. Then other ones are like, oh, you got to go double back and do 17 different like tracks of this one place to find one thing. And it's going to take you two hours to do it because all these cutscenes and load screens and whatnot. But my biggest gripe with Kingdom Hearts, which in if you if you notice in most Square uh, Square Enix games, it's the same problem. Is their boss fights do the thing where like in Sekiro, you always know the pattern, and then with what Genjiro, it changed a little bit, or but they made it obvious to where like, hey, the pattern has changed. This is what's going to happen at this phase of the fight, yeah. right? In yeah. Kingdom Hearts, you don't get that. So. Um, Maleficent fight, for example, you have to destroy her platform first, and then you have to attack her. Uh, I had her down to about a quarter of her health left. I was like, all right, cool. One more time, we're good to go. It took me five more cycles to do it, because what would happen is I'd knock her panel down, I'd go to attack her, she would do her attack to propel me away, and then I'd have to go chase her on the other side of the map again, and do the same thing over and over again. I'd get one hit in, she'd push me away, and they just kept drawing the fights out longer and longer and longer. Not making it difficult, but like making that window way too, like really, really, really small for no reason. Difficult boss fights are, I think, a sign of bad game design is making a boss fight repetitive and mm. thinking that you're making a boss fight difficult. Yeah, yeah. And so I give them credit, though. You know, the game, it's a 2001 video game, 2001, 2002. Like, it was a different time. But looking yeah. back, it's like the game does, gameplay wise, does not age well. The Riku fight, dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> the Riku fight it took me like eight times because it's just you you do some stuff all right cool he breaks out and then out of nowhere a magic new move that you take 50 percent health they're like excuse the fuck out of me i was blocking and now i'm not what although i will say i um i really did enjoy there's a there's an optional final final boss in bloodborne who has a move that um, when they do it, it brings you down to exactly one HP. Ooh, damn. And if you were at if you were at two HP ahead of time, it brings you down to one. Like it's not a like total number; it's like a percentage thing. Mm. Um, so adding that move in was extremely funny. But here's the thing: they didn't just put that in there, and then it's like, okay, now you're fucked. They put in this move that brings you down to one HP, and then the boss has a really really long recovery time. From yeah. It. So they're letting you go. Am I going to run in and risk getting a few hits in and then try to heal? Or am I going to use this long recovery to heal and buff my weapon, etc.? So, like, I think you can introduce new moves, but I think you need to have some degree of, like, not necessarily telegraphing them, but, like, yeah. I don't know, just make there a reason to be the move, you know? Like, whatever. Have, like, a quick cutscene in there. Like, Genichiro... He his third round, he suddenly brings lightning in and it's not like, oh, suddenly you have lightning. What the fuck? It's like, oh, we have a cutscene where you get s struck by lightning or whatever. Yeah. And you're like, oh, something's going to happen. You know, you like just you, need some context clues. Yeah, like that. that's my biggest issue with this boss fight in Persona. It's like, damn, because the, the, the boss fight was a the, the level alone is really annoying and a lot of people complained about it in the original version of five, Persona 5. And the boss fight was just kind of uneventful and boring. It just took a long time, but it was easy to do. 
And then they said, oh, it's too easy. Well, let's fuck with this and make you guys suffer. And I'm like, this is literally you guys saying, all right, we're just not going to make this this boss fight good. We're just going to make it painful and obvious and force you to do things. But wait, you can't even do the one mechanic you want. Let me not get my blood pressure up any higher than it already is. So, I think there's good... And and this is obviously coming from people, two people that don't do game design. So what what I might think of as bad game design might just be me not understanding what the game wants me to mm. do, which, you know, is also another conversation around, like, if your players are unsure of what to do, is that also bad game design? But yeah. I think there are some really fun fights where... There can be really good boss fights where they take away your main mechanic. A good example is when you fight a boss called Amygdala um, in the Nightmare Frontier in Bloodborne because you've been taught so far in Bloodborne and all other FromSoft games to just stay right underneath a big boss and just hit at their legs. Like if they're a big, tall boss, you just stay right under them, hit the legs. And suddenly they have Amygdala who you can't do any damage to her legs. You have to wait until you stun her basically and then go in and hit her head a few times what's down or like try to hit her hands when they're down for a second um and i like i like the changing of mechanics where it's like oh you've gotten really comfortable with this one move we're gonna make it so you can't do that and we're not gonna tell you why you can't do that um Mm -hmm. it's just oh you need to adjust your play style i think that can be cool um but i don't know you need to actually like have a reason for it or make it apparent that there's a change or whatever so it can it can be done well yeah um, i will i will stream it later tonight if you're up and so you can see the ridiculousness that is the fight i Um, might be able to i have to (laughs) i actually have to bounce in about five minutes because i have to prepare for my own stream but after that well uh, then uh. I know, I know. You told me to block three to four fifteen or whatever, and I was like, I got it. Um, but oh. we got so into talking about <laughs> all the things that make us mad about video games ahead of time. Well, like I, I've been working kind of adjacent to games with my current job, and so I've been paying a little bit more attention to like. I mean, it's a gotcha game that I work with, but like I've been paying more attention to like mechanics and what makes a good game good, and like what uh-huh. makes a game playable and, and like enjoyable. And so, like, it, it's, to me, it's funny because, you know, back to Kingdom Hearts, when we're kids, we're blinded by, oh, oh, look at this cool anime-like guy and Disney and Final Fantasy and all this stuff wrapped together with this bow that's actually a shit sandwich that's really not a good game. But hey, we're playing it and we have no idea. And you look at it with Fresh Cut, uh, like, later, you're like, oh, damn, this shit is actually not a good game. Not a good game at all. <laughs> like, whoa. Yeah. But... Well, since I don't want to keep you, so we're going to go ahead and hit that e-break then. Any any final thoughts? Any parting words? Any final thoughts or parting words? I or don't any... know if I have any. I will plug my us- usual stuff. Like you said, you can find me on Twitter at hog underscore mild or on twitch.television at Annika. Um which I will be streaming Sekiro actually tonight because I, well, not, I mean, whenever people listen to this, they're going to be like, what are you? (laughs) Um, I'm just going to be streaming it the night that we're recording it because uh, I just want to give my brain a break. And I find that game actually kind of mindless now. It's like so fast paced that you don't have time to think, which is very nice. Damn. No head empty. 
<laughs> no thoughts. <laughs> it really is just like head totally empty. Um, and I say that now, and I'm probably going to be fucking raging during it, but I need a break from Demon Souls because it, um, like you said about a different game earlier, like the camera controls in it, oh like gosh. even though it's a remake and it's beautiful and they changed a lot of stuff, like it's, it's a, it's a remake. So it's not, or like a, it's not a reskin. It's a, or it's like a reskin, not a total like redesign, but a lot of the, mechanics from the original one are still kind of like the foundation for it so the um the lock on range is like really close and the camera has no interest in following you they gave the camera just like complete autonomous freedom and it just sort of wanders away from you and you're like can i see what i'm doing i'm dead and the camera's just like oh look (laughs) at this sunset background over here and you're like can you not Pay attention to like the skybox. I'm dead. Can we focus up? Nope, I'm dead again. Fell so. off the map. Who would have thought? Because I couldn't see what's going on. <laughs> yeah, you're like, but I'm really fucking happy. I got to see that picturesque skybox back there. Very cool. This is what I wanted. Thanks, Blue Point. <laughs> I fucking burnt. Um, still great game. Very beautiful. I am enjoying it a lot. But that's my one little my one little gripe. All right. Well, thank you once again. Have a good stream. Have a good night. Hopefully see you in my chat later on or later streams and whatnot. Um, Everybody that came by and listened, thank you. And we'll catch y'all next time. I had a blast. All right. I will uh, chat with you later. Everyone stay safe, okay? Stay hydrated. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Bye. All right, that's going to wrap up this week's episode of Everyone Turns Up During Rush Hour. Once again, thank you, Annika, and thank you, fans and listeners, for sticking through this whole episode. Hope you guys are having a wonderful time, whatever time of day it is for you. Uh, Just a little housekeeping update. We're getting close to the end of Season 1. We have about two more episodes left, and we're going to hit Season 2 probably like a month or so afterwards. But fret not, Season 2 will come back bigger and badder than ever. And by badder, I mean good, because good is bad and bad. You know the drill. But anyway, thank you guys once again, and we'll catch you guys next time.